0: It has been a difficult week for the From community, and that's an understatement. It's been a tragic, a week of tragedy for the From community, and we will get to the politics and the current events and the other news of the day later, but we begin discussing this horrific, unspeakable tragedy, which of course took place in Eretz Yisrael on Shabbos, on Lael Shabbos on Friday night in Neve Yaakov. This was unspeakable. I mean, any words that I say, I, I, I'm so uncomfortable. Ever having this kind of conversation, ever discussing these types of inyan and these types of issues, because whatever I say, any words can only diminish the magnitude, the suffering, the pain. A terrorist, a monster. I mean, uh, this animal. You know, he uh, this this Russia Marusha. He targeted innocent from Jews, from Jews are coming out of shul on Friday night, and this man brutally attacked them, targeted them, brutally murdered seven k'dayshem Hashem Kaim damam. Many others were injured. There are some that were critically injured, from what I understand. And then there was a second attack on Shabbos morning. Uh I don't know if it was related or not, but obviously there's this you know wave of terror. Hopefully this will be the end of it. Uh This was in Ir David, I guess near the old city, and a father and a son were both shot on Shabbos morning. I don't know of their condition, but hopefully both of them will be okay. We have to have them in our tefillahs. We have to daven, say tehillim. And I'm not going to go into more details in terms of describing what actually transpired, this is about right now and i'm certainly not going to politicize this in any way you know it, there's a lot of blame that can go around if you look if you look around and uh, the way the media is reporting this is is as as one would expect is completely completely biased against israel reporting just really really awful things that is not for today today we are going to hopefully reflect focus on this we need to feel their pain. We need to somehow grow from this personally, have some sort of growth uh, deep in our connection with a Kaddish Baruch who take away some kind of message. When anybody in Klal Yisrael, when any member of Klal Yisrael becomes a Korban Rachman Oletlan or is suffering in some way or is a victim, that impacts all of us. It's supposed to impact all of us. A Kaddish Baruch Hu in some way is sending everybody some kind of message. You know, again, that's just my interpretation of this. And the only, what can we do? You, you say to yourself, you know, this is terrible. Obviously, we can feel some sort of mourning. We can be misavil. But what can we do? So as far as I'm aware, the only thing really we can do is use this to somehow change ourselves, improve ourselves help ourselves grow, take away some kind of message. So look, this is unspeakable. I don't want to diminish it. I, I wish there were some words. I wish there was something one could say. I wish there was some consolation, some nechama. But there is not. Sadly, there are no words. And uh, again, Hashem Nimkam Kaim And we will uh, continue to update as more details emerge. And the other news this past week that I think I need to mention, is very disturbing, is that there was this Ben-Tirah. There was a man uh, who by all accounts, it seems like is a good person, is a sincere person. And yet he was falsely accused of trying to abduct a child, a tra- t- trying to abduct a nine-year-old boy uh from a bris, from, from a shul where there was a bris taking place. And this made major headlines. I mean, not only major headlines, there are still charges that are pending. My understanding is, and the details are sketchy. I've tried, I've actually spoken to sources, but it seems that the family has dropped charges or the family is not actually pressing any charges, even though they initially called the police. I don't blame them for calling the police, as I'm going to explain. I'm not judging anybody here. You know, However, we just have to recognize the lessons that need to be learned from this story. But the story was basically fabricated. There was this huge, huge, huge uproar and an arrest and a man whose picture was in the media, in the secular media, in, in, in the non-Jewish media, in the New York Post and still is, by the way, and the story about this attempted abduction was completely fabricated. It was a misunderstanding. And this man's name and face now is associated with it, and hopefully his name will be cleared. It was a misunderstanding. Now, I'll explain some of the details in a moment how this actually took place. I I don't judge the mother at all. And, you know, the mother, in other words, of the child, did the responsible thing because her perception was that there was something here that was going on, like I said, you know, some sort of attempted abduction. Um, she was sincere. She reported it. She was alarmed by it. They called the police. That's probably the responsible thing to do. And maybe we all would have done the same thing. It's very hard to know, you know, when when you actually look at the surveillance video, as is now as now has been gone pretty public. It's it's almost impossible to know what one does in that situation. But uh, this man is basically uh, holding the hand of a nine year old boy, and there's it's a stranger, and sort of walking heading toward the front door of the school. It is something which, if you don't know the the context, uh, could seem alarming or disturbing, and that was what the mother uh, that would you know that was her reaction. But people rushed to accuse this person. No evidence. Uh, again, the police they they were responding to a call, so it's not about them, but it's about the media and it's about the you know kind of the community in general. Certain people on social media who rush to judgment and immediately they hear an accusation and they immediately jump i mean what a lesson this is of don lakavskus and lushan haramotsi shemra so uh, you know and, and by the way the new york post has been egregious about this because now that the he, he, this man is exonerated you look at the video he did nothing wrong and the context of the story which i'll get into in a moment completely completely exonerates him and proves his innocence uh there is no shred of evidence at this point against him the da there are charges pending i'm assuming those are going to eventually be dropped i don't know uh but um but the but the story was the high nivra the the new york post they still have this story up they refer to this person as a creep they still have his picture his name and they accuse him of things that never happened that literally never happened as I'll explain so and 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 they still have it up which is horrific but again at least the from community the jewish community needs to rally around this person and do everything we possibly can to you know, to 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 scream from the rooftops, he's totally innocent. So here's what happened: the, the this man is there's a bris and a shul, very common. There are women in the hall. This man did not want to walk in between. This from what I understand, he's a, he's 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 a man who learns in Kaila, and he didn't want to walk in between women themselves, which by himself I should say between two women, as the gemara does discuss. Again, not getting into the halachic or the Ramifications here of what's allowed, what's mutter, what's not allowed, what situations. There are different scenarios. There are different opinions. What's mutter and what's not. But either way, he wanted let's call it let's call it to be machmir. Don't take don't extrapolate don't extrapolate any das Torah from what I'm about to say right now. And uh, you know even when I'm going to talk about uh, don lechavsklus and about you know how we're supposed to react in this kind of situation. This is not das Torah. This is just little me. This is just Yaakov just sharing my thoughts, giving you what to think about. You're welcome to disagree. Certainly discuss it with a rav. With Das Teure. but but he was uh, he wanted to walk with a second male as would be the you know the the, the permissible way the mutter dicker way to do this to walk in, in a hall full of women. So apparently he asked the boy to accompany him, and he held the boy's hand. Maybe he needed to hold the boy's hand, but the the video shows this man holding the boy's hand, and uh, then he's kind of heading toward the front door of the shul. He's heading out through the hall the mother you see in the video the mother sees asks the boy we don't we don't hear anything in the video but the story is as being reported that the mother says to the boy do you know this man no she grabs the boy the man willfully willfully gives the boy to the mother and walks out the front door the man never the, the new york post reported multiple pieces of fake news the new york post and it's still up there falsely claimed that the man took the child by the shoulders never happened falsely claimed that the man tried to leave with the child out of the front door of the shul never happened the man clearly Feet away before he hits the front door, gives the boy willingly to the to the mother. New York Post falsely claimed that the mother ripped the ma- the boy from the man's arms. That is not true. Those stories that all those details are still up there. The New York Post falsely claimed that the man then hid in the yeshiva. Not true. He didn't hide anywhere. He was learning in a yeshiva. He went to the yeshiva where he learns. So all of that false information the New York Post has not taken down, they have not retracted the story one bit even though we now have a video which proves it. And what happened was they were t- talking about this this kidnapping, the media all over, and then there are people on social media, WhatsApp happened?" et cetera, people saying, listen, I was there, we were there. And what happened was this man was just trying to walk in between women and was taking the boy – by the hand to walk in between women because you didn't want to do it alone, and a lot of people dismissed that and discounted that and said, "Ah, oh, no, this person—he's—he's he's an abductor. He's—he's he's trying to kidnap the boy," and it—and it was like it was made up of out of nowhere. I mean, la haya la haya and that is very disturbing. Now, on the one hand, here's the here's the quandary, and again, I am not das Torah. Do not rely on me. Do not listen to me. I'm just—I feel it's my job, my role here to share these thoughts. We need to be vigilant on the one hand because there are bad people out there. There are people out there who want to hurt children. Even B'nai Yeshiva, even B'nai Torah, this is the thing. If somebody has a sickness, well, what do you mean a Yeshiva person, a kala person, a Rebbe, a Rav, they would never want to harm a child. it, it, it It's a sickness, okay? It, it's, it's, there are sociopaths out there. There are people out there who, Rahman al-Latlan, they, 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 this is what they do, okay? It's not about judging them. It's not about what their position, what their stature is. It has nothing to do with that. There are just certain – there's a certain segment of the population. It's a very, very small, tiny percentage, but they're out there. So you cannot ignore if there is some kind of suspicion. If there is Raglan Ladover, you cannot ignore it. But the flip side of it is – and certainly if somebody sees someone trying to hurt a child or if there's a child who reports something or if there's any kind of evidence – We need to be choshish. That's the thing is, without hurting a person's reputation and without overreacting, it is important to be cautious. I view that as being cautious and being out to protect children. But the flip side of it is, you need to be discreet. You know, you need to be open that somebody might be innocent. You need to hear the evidence. We can never ever prejudge. We can never ever accuse. Certainly never ever spread it publicly. You know, it's one thing you want to like, Te, you know, tell people in charge because you want them to act, give them a chance, but like to go public so quickly and to let it be in the media and to start, you know, judging people and uh, accusing people and basically uh, prosecuting people and being macabre things that are just completely made up uh, until you know the facts. And in this case, there are literally people who are screaming, he's innocent, he's innocent. Then we get a video released, but even before the video released is released, uh, like you have nothing, no basis whatsoever except that. Uh, The media is saying there was an abduction and maybe the police is saying there is an abduction. Those are not reliable sources. So – and what's what's amazing here is what's very, very, very alarming is upsetting is that some of the advocates, the people who uh, claim to be advocates for the victims, the people who claim to be trying to protect uh, children from being harmed, they're actually hurting their own cause because some of these advocates, they keep reinforcing the narrative. They're saying, well, they're still – they are still blaming this person, still accusing and refuse to back down and retract even though, as I said, it's baseless. There's no evidence. This whole story was made up. This person is 100% innocent. So what are they doing? They're hurting their own cause because now they're not going to be believed. They lose their all all their credibility because they, they're, they're showing us, they always side with the accuser. If somebody's accused, they don't want to hear the facts. They don't want to hear the evidence. They just always side with the accuser. So an incredible lesson here in terms of not being macabre, in terms of realizing, wait a second, there's another side to the story. You need to get the facts. Keep it private. Don't go public. Again, Does that mean that there are no bad stories? Does it mean that we just ignore any time there's an accusation? Of course not. But this is a perfect example. I mean, this man, I hope he sues the New York Post and gets a lot of money out of this, but it's still not worth all the suffering, all the pain, you know, all the trauma that he and his family have gone through and are still going through. And again, the story was fabricated. It was made up, and I'm going to do everything possible that I can you know i interviewed uh one of the rabbonim who was involved in this who discussed the exonerating and 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 uh you know th- this man is 100% nucky vitahar and innocent and hopefully you know that will uh you know be spread around and uh, hopefully that will be recognized by all involved and he gets totally clear. let's get to the other news of the day big news out of iran there was a massive explosion at a military facility the Iranians are claiming, as they always claim, that this was a failed, a thwarted attempt, a failed drone attack. The Iran- here's what the Iranians are admitting: that this was a military facility, that this was an attempted attack uh, on a munitions factory by a drone. But they say it failed. They always say it failed. Um, literally, their their facility could be blown to bits, and they'll say, "Oh well, we thwarted the attack. There was an attempt, but it was it it, it was failed. It's it's a failed attempt." So, uh, you know, by the Zionists, the Zionists tried to attack our facility, our nuclear facility, our weapons facility or whatever. But once again, the Zionists failed. So what this tells me is this was not a failure. This was a successful drone attack. Probably uh Netanyahu, who has now was now back in charge doing his thing, pledging to single handedly take down Iran and their nuclear um program, because he's certainly not going to get any help from Biden or Europe or anybody else. And obviously, it has begun, okay? The, the battle has begun here. Netanyahu has begun his campaign of destroying Iranian weapons, destroying Iranian nukes. For all we know, this was, this was a missile factory. I don't know. You know, this might have been long-range missiles, ICBMs, but whatever. It doesn't sound like it was a nuclear plant. It sounds like it was a military munitions plant. But either way, massive explosion. The Iranian, it was a drone attack. The Iranians confirmed that. They're just saying it failed. So that means it was probably successful. And I suspect, as I keep predicting, we're going to see a lot more of these mystery attacks, mystery explosions, mystery fires, drone attacks. It's failed drone attacks. I expect to see lots of failed drone attacks out of Iran in the coming weeks and months now that Bibi Netanyahu is back in power. All right. So Biden, Garage Gate classified documents. We haven't done this in a while, but there are more details. Literally, they found another batch. The GOJ finally, finally, after this fiasco has gone on for months. And the DOJ never stepped foot in Biden's home to actually search. They raided Mar-a-Lago, of course, when it was Trump, but never bothered to search for classified documents. Well, because they trusted Biden. Biden was cooperating. Well, here's what kind of cooperating they were doing, where the DOJ goes in and finds yet another batch. So they're doing so much cooperating, Biden and his lawyers, that they keep either hiding the batches they found or not doing a thorough enough job of finding them. Either way, that's not cooperating, okay? when you keep finding more classified documents popping up every other day and then the DOJ goes in and the DOJ finds even more documents that you never found or you never reported. I don't call that cooperating. They're being in fact, they're being extremely misleading. I mean, this cover up, this is a massive cover up by the Biden administration. Now you have Karine Jean-Pierre, who literally couldn't find a way out of a paper bag. I mean, she is she's just not even answering the questions anymore. I, I, I direct you to the to, to, to the president's counsel. You have to speak to White House counsel about that. She's literally not even discussing it. Uh, well, so much for transparency. So so this is officially a fourth batch. This is a fourth batch. But here's what's misleading is how many documents were found. Again, the DOJ w- – w- the whole story makes no sense, by the way. The story makes no sense because they, they originally found that first batch, right? Why would you not – at that point, here's what I would do. If I found classified – I'm rummaging through my closet. I find classified documents. Here's what I'm doing. Number one – I'm scouring everywhere in my house. I'm literally going to look everywhere and find every single possible classified document I can find. And number two, I'm calling the DOJ and saying, come down here right now because I want to be transparent as can be. I found some classified documents. I don't remember them being here. Don't know how it got here. But whether I'm the VP or the president or whoever or just me, okay, I'm just – I'm I'm scouring the place and I'm calling the DOJ and I'm just saying, here, search, search, search because that is the way to prove you're innocent. That, that's the opposite of what Biden is doing. With Biden, it's a saga. Well, we found, Keep let, let us look ourselves. Don't worry, we'll be honest. Oh, wait a second, we found another. Oh, and now we found another month later. And like, now you're still, last week, you're still finding more documents. And then it's like the DOJ says, all right, we better go in ourselves because we clearly can't trust these people. Oh, and we found even more documents that they never bothered to report. What on earth is going on? The whole thing makes zero sense. But here's the misleading part is they made it sound, this latest batch that the DOJ found, They wanted it to sound like it was six documents, but it wasn't six documents. It's a lot more than six classified documents. So now we're talking, because remember when originally they said, well, with Biden, it was hundreds of documents. I'm sorry, with Trump, it was hundreds of documents. Biden, it's just 10 documents. So 300 versus 10. So that's why the Biden thing was no big deal, right? Now everybody knows the Biden thing is a very big deal. Also, Trump's was secured in Mar-a-Lago by Secret Service. Biden is sitting at his Delaware home, unsecured, for years, with Hunter living there, Hunter Biden, who's in the pocket of China and Russia, so. Uh, but 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 it turns out now, Biden, it's going to end up being there's more batches, it's going to end up being more than Trump ever was, because here's here's the quote, here's the quote from the DOJ, okay? They found quote six items consisting of documents with classification markings. That's the quote. The DOJ, their own report, is what do we find in Biden's house? This last fourth batch. We found six items consisting of documents of classification markings. They're trying to be misleading and, you know, they're trying to be all like cryptic and vague. They found boxes. They found six boxes worth of classified documents. How many in each one? We don't know because they're not telling us, but that's a direct quote. We found six items consisting of documents with classification markings. What's an item? What's an item consisting of a document? That's either a file, a folder, or it's a box. Okay. So they found dozens of documents at the very least. And what's amazing is you have to realize the lesson here is the deep state has now turned on Biden. Biden's getting the Trump treatment. Okay, the whole story makes no sense. But what does make sense is clearly Biden thought and Biden's people thought, all right, you know, the DOJ, they'll take care of this. They'll sweep this under the rug like they always do. The problem is that now the Democrat establishment and their own deep state decided we don't want Biden anymore. Biden's a liability. And and they could do this to anyone. The same way they did it to Trump. Now they're throwing Biden under the bus. It's like it's like China. You know, in China, they basically what they do in China is they have a system where uh, everybody commits a crime at some point. They they ask for questions on documents when people have to sign up for you know driver's licenses and different things, rental homes and whatever. They're always signing their name on different papers, and the, the, the questions are structured in a way that you always kind of have to lie or they give you choices. And everybody lies at some point because there's like no other option on the paper. It's just like kind of that's, that's how you do things there. That's the system. But they do it because that way when they want to arrest you for something, they can always arrest you because they always basically set up everybody to commit some kind of crime. Uh, I do want to talk about um, – so, that's the, you know, so that's, that's the Biden situation. We will keep an eye on all of that. Um, well, I'm going to get into a little bit into more of, of the Biden stuff in a moment. All right, let's get back to the Biden stuff. Then we'll talk about what they call Yeshiva Week a, a little bit later. But what's amazing is even the, you know the Democrats now are completely, completely turning on Biden because as I said, they don't they don't care about Biden anymore. They want to win in 2024, and as far as they're concerned, uh, Biden has to they have to give him a good reason. He has to be either impeached or he has to be thrown out so that he can't run again in 2024. Now, so let me read you some quotes here from. Uh, The Democrats, Chuck Schumer said, quote, it's hard to explain to the public that Biden and Trump should be viewed differently in politics. If you're explaining you're losing and it's clear, um, congressional Democrats have opted not to explain. I'm sorry, that's actually uh, the the um, that's Christopher Hahn. That's an aide to Chuck Schumer, a former Chuck Schumer aide said, quote, the drip, drip, drip of new documents is problematic for Biden and becoming slightly more than an annoyance for Democrats. It's hard to explain to the public. Biden and Trump should be viewed differently in politics. If you're explaining, you're losing. They keep explaining. That's what he's trying to say is explaining just doesn't work. Like people are not stupid. People, they can, you know, they have brains. They can see for themselves, even even Democrats, even people who use the mainstream media as their primary source. Uh, Democrat Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois said, quote, Let's be honest about it. When that information is found, it diminishes the stature of any person in possession of it because it's not supposed to happen, whether it was the fault of a staffer or an attorney makes no difference. The elected official bears ultimate responsibility, basically saying, I don't care how these classified documents got into Biden's house. They got there. Biden's responsible. Senator Joe Manchin, um, you know, he basically he said, quote, when I go into the skiff, the skiff is the word for the room where you look where you actually can look at secure classified documents in the Capitol. Okay. So he said, when I go into the SCIF with secure documents, they always ask, are you clean? When you walk out, they want to make sure you're not carrying anything out to put those in unsecured spaces is irresponsible. Um, I think he should have a lot of regrets because remember Biden said, I don't have any regrets. Biden actually said, I don't have any regrets. And, uh, he, you know, people are really outraged about that because how can you not have regrets? yeah, uh, you know, like, like th- that, that itself is such a phony, bogus thing to claim. But that's Biden for you. Biden, you know, he just he just makes fun. He just dismisses anybody who asks him a difficult question. He, he And this is always, you know, this is not the new Biden, so to speak. This, he's always reacted like this. So he, they asked him a few days ago, you know, or maybe he just said it on his own. Do I have any regret? I don't have any regrets. How can you not have regrets, even if somehow you're innocent, which your innocence makes no sense in this whole picture here. But you've got to regret. You have to, like, have remorse because you have classified documents unsecure You're the president of the United States. This is, at the very least, this is as irresponsible as anybody could possibly be with classified documents. And now uh, you have Mike Pence. Mike Pence announced that he found classified documents uh, in his his possession, in his home. Now, why did Mike Pence announce this? Because, very simple, because Mike Pence is planning to announce that he's running for president in 2024 – and he wants to make sure to clear this out of the way now and not have this uh, you know, blow up into a big scandal. So Mike Pence, because they all do. This is what I'm trying to tell you is they all do this. The only ones who, who have not actually discussed um, classified documents and claim they don't have any, is Obama, George W. Bush and Bill Clinton. Now, why is that? Because they're not running for office. Trust me, they also have classified documents. I suspect. I don't know. But clearly, clearly, all these politicians, all these presidents, they leave office. They have classified documents. So, Obama, Bush, Clinton, they know that the FBI, DOJ, they are not going to be raided anytime soon. Mike Pence on the other hand, he's running for president, he knows that he's going to be under the microscope, so he's got to get in front of this thing now and announce it. So, I I strongly suspect Bush, Obama, Clinton all have classified documents, but they're safe in a closet somewhere and nobody's ever going to find them. Um, you know, and, and and or maybe they shredded them by now. I don't know. But that that's what's amazing is that this is something that is just common, and it and it should not be. By the way, I mean they they literally should not be allowed to walk out with classified documents when they leave office. It's a danger, it's a threat, it's a risk. Well, but what are the chances? Who's going to find them? Look, I don't care. These are classified documents. These are these are top secret pieces of information, and they need to be treated as such. They need to be treated with a lot of respect, a lot of care, a lot of sensitivity. Not just just sitting around some office or sitting around somebody's closet or garage next to the Corvette. So I do think that's in that sense, it's a very big deal. But at the same time, everybody does it and nobody ever said a word about it. But then, of course, they wanted to get Trump on this and they they wanted to just target Trump and set him up and put a bullseye on his back. And now they've created a whole mess for themselves. All right. Nancy Pelosi continues to be the luckiest investor in the country. It's unbelievable. You can't make this stuff up. Nancy Pelosi, we've told you she's made millions off of stocks. And those stocks almost always – she and her husband, they're almost always directly involved with some kind of legislation. So like there's going to be a legislation that passes and that legislation is going to help a certain company, whether it's tech, whether it's Google, whether it's Apple, whether it's uh, you know a, a clean energy, a windmill company or a solar energy company. And she knows about it ahead of time. She invests and then, of course, the stock goes up and the Pelosi's make millions. I mean there's one example after the next. Well, the most recent example and it's egregious is that uh, Nancy Pelosi four weeks ago sold $3 million worth of Google stock. And then this last week the DOJ filed a lawsuit against Google to break up what they consider a monopoly. So it's literally – this is literally white-collar crime. It's literally insider trading if somebody does this in the business world. But Pelosi and her husband, no problem, they literally sold their Google stock at three million million four four weeks ago. And now the DOJ filed a lawsuit against Google, which is going to hurt Google big time trying to break up their tech monopoly okay coincidence I think not and uh and, and it, it's like just amazing she's so lucky it's like she's just such a lucky investor she just all these things that only a, a government official would know that she somehow mysteriously manages to invest in, and 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 rake it in and sell these stocks and buy these stocks at just the right time Her time is impeccable all right should we talk about what they call yeshiva week for a moment I guess I'll mention this there's somebody and look it depends on the circle that you're in but you know there's a big uh, the issue that's been raised lately, which is the peer pressure, which is that you know there are families. Some people call it Yeshiva week. Some people don't. It depends on what circle you're in. But you know, Asmanim. There's now a vacation. A lot of yeshivas are on vacation right now, or over the last few days, midwinter vacation. And some families go on these, you know big trips and uh, travel to Florida or travel maybe out of the country, even to Mexico and go on these, I guess, exotic trips. And uh, maybe some people don't consider Florida exotic. Maybe some people do. I don't know. But uh, the point is that some people are going on expensive trips with their family and some people are just staying home and just going out to pizza and just having a good time with with the kids or, you know, going to laser tag or whatever. Maybe some people are not even doing that. I'm sure there's a big range of activities. And the issue is that, well, keeping up with, with the Joneses, you know, well, the kids come back and they're in class and they're talking about their exciting trip to Florida or wherever. And then other kids say, oh, well, I don't go anywhere. And the kids then complain to the parents and the kids feel like they're missing out. And it certainly does cause a lot of pressure, a lot of social pressure, some anxiety it's a big issue. I don't mean to diminish, diminish or discount the issue in any way, shape, form or sort. This is a big issue. When, when, when children, their friends are doing things that are expensive and exciting and then their families either can't afford to do it or don't do it for whatever reason and they feel like they're missing out. And it's like, well, I want to, I, I, I want to do what that person's doing. Some kids uh, struggle with this more, some less. Uh, but it certainly is a big issue. So I, I noticed and, – and look, we have to kind of – I'm going to talk about this in a moment, what needs to be done, what can be done. I don't know what can, what can be done. I, I, I know myself, by the way. This has been a, a concern and a struggle of mine, as I'll explain. But I did see that somebody out there said, oh, let's just cancel yeshiva week, whether he meant cancel the vacation or whether he meant you should tell parents and families they're not allowed – to the, the yeshivas should tell – Parents, you're not allowed to travel. You're not allowed to go to Florida. I don't know how you'd enforce that exactly. Or just maybe he might may just cancel it altogether, just cancel the vacation, which is, I don't think, a good idea because I think kids need a vacation. I think probably the Rebellion need a vacation. But uh, here's my issue. My issue is I don't think it's a good idea. I don't like – control. this is not Dostoeira. This is just little me. But I don't like controlling society any more than we need to. I don't like the idea unless there's – you're talking about a real severe, severe crisis. I don't like the idea of telling families, hey – you cannot have vacation because it's going to cause this other person to be jealous or to be upset. Therefore, you now have to suffer. So, whether it means you don't go to Florida or you don't get a vacation or whatever we're doing, why should person A and person B, person B sees person A doing something and gets jealous? So now we're going to tell person A, you cannot do it. It doesn't strike me. This is not Das Teira. This is just me. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm just throwing it out there. It doesn't strike me as the correct solution. I don't believe that's the response. I think that. Person A, if they have the means, they should have every right to do things within reason. Um, But I do think it's an issue, and I do. I'm usually Person B, so you know, I'm I'm the person who you know. My daughter basically says to me, "Hey, listen, a bunch of kids in my class are going to Florida. Why can't we go to Florida? Why can't we do this? And why can't we do that? And we're the ones who, throughout the years, uh, have never. You know, we don't do that. We we've done it on occasion, but it's like on a rare occasion. It's not like Yearly or twice a year, you know, where we're getting on a plane and uh, traveling and going to some fancy, exciting place or even to a not fancy place. (laughs) That's just not how you know we operate. So and, and, and some of my children are fine with it and some of them are not. Even when I was a child, you know, I noticed I had friends who were traveling. I was never didn't bother me so much, but my family, they never went on these fancy trips. That just wasn't how we rolled. So, but my issue is this: number one, I don't think it. I don't think that's the right solution. I don't think we're supposed to tell people, "Hey, you don't enjoy yourself because even though you can afford it, because somebody else cannot or will not or whatever." Number two, I don't think it would help. I don't think it would help because there's cars, there's restaurants, there's shoes, there's clothing, there's houses. I mean, once we're gonna go there, once we're gonna open that up and say, open that can of warrants up and say, listen. Everyone has to kind of it's you know, it's it's almost like a socialism, like a woke type of mentality where everybody has to kinda of live the same because uh you're making other people jealous, you're putting pressure on other people. It's a huge issue. I'm not dismissing the issue. I wanna be clear. Huge issue. Some family makes this fancy expensive chasana and then another family can't afford it, but then they end up going into debt because they need to, because their child expects it and it's gonna be difficult and, and, and stressful and shalom bias and frustration. There's there's so many issues here. That have to be addressed and dealt with. It's a big problem. I don't deny the fact that it's a big problem because, uh, you know, th- th- there are a lot of people out there who are living well, and then other people can't just can't keep up. But the but but the children suffer, or the family suffer, or causes also of and bias issues. This is a huge issue. I don't think it's going to solve it by telling people. So number one, I don't think that's the right approach. Even if it would solve it, but but I don't think it's going to solve it I, because it's just this is overwhelming. We're, we're in a culture where we all see each other. We're all. In the same schools, we're in the same communities, we're in the same shopping centers, we're seeing each other all day long. And so now the question becomes: Okay, so what do I tell my children, or how do we address it? How do we what? How do we raise our kids, or what message do we send where we can make it clear? Listen, yes, they have what they have, we have what we have. It's not equal. Everybody's different, but we're happy. This is good. I don't know the answer. I think this is something that needs to be discussed. I'm not sitting here coming to give you an answer. I'm telling you what I don't think the answer is how I usually do things. And uh, it's something that hopefully we have to discuss. And maybe, you know, we should probably have somebody on uh, to an interview, you know, a Rav or a Rebbe or, or a Mechanic or somebody who can or a therapist who can help us address this issue. All right. According to a new poll, Trump is by far still the most popular candidate in the Republican Party. It's not even close. Trump is so popular that he beats all the other candidates combined. I'm not surprised. I mean, Trump is dominating. I mean, that that is... That's how it's been for years. It's, I don't think it's going to end anytime soon. I don't think, uh, Trump supporters are jumping ship just because uh, of Kanye or just because he, uh, you know, he, they found classified documents in Mar-a-Lago. So the latest Harvard Harris poll finds that, um, whether it's DeSantis, Pence, Rubio, Cruz, Nikki Haley, uh, Trump would literally get more votes than all of them combined. In this, um, poll, 48% of respondents said that Trump is their number one choice. Now listen to the other candidates. DeSantis 28%, Pence 7%, Rubio 3%, Haley 3%, Ted Cruz 1%. It's a st- it's staggering. This is this is staggering these numbers. Trump got 48%, okay? The only one who's even close is DeSantis. Now there's plenty of time to go, but I'm telling you Trump has this base. I would put it at 48-50-55%, somewhere around that range, and they choose him over anybody. All the others end up splitting the vote. So you got DeSantis 28, Penn 7%, 3 3%, 3% for Rubio, literally like combined. Trump has more than all the others combined. Um what else is going on here? Uh voter ID laws in Georgia, remember they were going to suppress the vote, they were going to suppress black people. They were racist, they were Jim Crow laws. Well, the data is in and they did not suppress any votes in no, in election day 2022. Uh the voter ID laws and the other laws that remember people protested baseball Major League Baseball, they took the All-Star game out of Atlanta, out of Georgia to protest the racist uh, voting laws in Georgia. It's unbelievable. And it turns out that it, it did not um, suppress the vote in any way. Um, the, 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 there's data. I don't know the exact data. I don't have it in front of me. But the data shows that it turns out black people, they can get a voter ID. It, it's so racist to call them Jim Crow laws and say, well, you're you're, you're, you're discriminating against blacks if you require ID to vote well why blacks can't get an ID blacks can also get an ID so they are the racist ironically or not so ironically because we know that's what this is all about but anyway it turns out that the data is in it did not suppress the votes one bit and uh, it turns out that terrorists are coming across the border in droves no surprise there and that is thanks to Biden and Biden's open borders and uh you know th- th- this is this is not a surprise at all it, by the way there have been so many illegals who crossed the border under Biden since he took office, that it's now about, it's close to 1% of the total U.S. population. How staggering is that that stat? You have nearly 1% of the U.S. population is illegals who came in under Joe Biden since he took office, and now, as I said, terrorists are being apprehended. Listen to the numbers, how the numbers have jumped. Back in 2020, there were just three arrests of people from the terror watch list um, in 2020 crossing the border in 2022, it was 100. And in 2023, this year, there have been 38 individuals who are on the terror watch list arrested already at the border. In, in 2021, when Biden first took office, there were 15 arrests of people on the terror watch list. Um, that number was five times higher than under Trump. Um, the last year of the Trump administration, but it was still pretty low. But uh, but now this Last year, 100 people from the terror watch list apprehended the border. Who knows how many are not apprehended by those ones that are apprehended? And then in 2023, it's been 38 so far, and it's only been a few weeks in 2023. And during the four years under under Trump, only 11 individuals from the terror watch list were apprehended crossing the border. And then you hear about these, these terror attacks. You do hear about terror attacks in the United States, of course, because terrorists basically have a free pass into the United States thanks to Biden and his open borders. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.